Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. So more and more of our clients, they're talking about alternative investments. And and we get the, the language really comes more for real estate than anything else. But Real estate is an alternative investment for most people. Now, if, unless you're involved in real estate from the very beginning, in other words, that's, your, that's kind of what you do. Um, people look at real estate and say, I'd like to become involved in it, but it, it is, it's is—it's a class. But in addition to real estate, alternative investments make up a whole category yeah. of, of kinds of investments. Now, real estate being one of them, but you also have uh, private notes, structured notes, you have gold, other commodities, you have several things that would fall into that alternative investments. Crypto even falls mm-hmm. into that kind of stuff. So uh, what most people don't realize that this is not something you just pick off the shelf and do. This is this has got this is wrought with risk. Liquidity is being the biggest risk. Once yeah. you get into, for example, a non-traded REIT, a real estate investment trust, you're stuck. Yeah. And if the world moves against you, you're not able to get out of that. And the general partner better be very nimble and very capable of handling all, all the risk that goes with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just said a lot of big things. Right. I think it set us up really well for this conversation. And and liquidity, just that that word, when people you know hear that, liquidity is the ability to access the cash, basically. Right. The ability to get it. So a checking account is exceedingly liquid. You can write a check today, you can go and get it. A savings account is also pretty very liquid. Um, if you have a, a a stock that you've purchased, well, it's a little less liquid because you have to go and sell it first. But the market's active, right? Yeah. If you if you have a big, say, Apple, Apple Fortune five hundred company, Apple Fortune five hundred company, you ha- you're not going to have any trouble selling that stock. Now, the price may vary from day to day, but you can sell it. It's liquid, yeah. right? And so, as you move down the line, it's thinking about, let's say, your home. If you wanted to sell your home or an investment property, a real estate, if you want to sell a piece of real estate that you directly own. You also can do that, but you can't do it in a day. No. And the money's not going to be available in a day. The money might take you, say, 30 days to or 60 days to get a buyer, close the transaction, and get that money into your right. account. So when we talk about liquidity, that's a real estate that you own directly is, is less liquid than a cash in, right. in an account. And a lot of these alternative investments, um, it, it, it's a whole other step beyond that. Uh, some of these non-traded REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts is what that stands for, REIT. Uh, these, these non-traded REITs, you can't get the money for a couple of years. We've had we've had clients where we've they've they've, they've become clients and they have these investments, and um, you can't just sell them. It, they, it it it's part of the portfolio. In some cases, their previous advisor that's where their emphasis was, so they ended up holding these things. And so we examine them and say, there's not really much we can do with them other than we just need to manage moving Holding, forward. Yeah. And so the question that comes up and you know, for the conversation is why? why? Why do we even talk about alternatives? Why do people right. look into these? And a lot of it is when they, they've already had a, a significant portion of, of exposure to the regular market. 
They've got also, the their net their net worth, I think, is a big part of yeah. the discussion. So not only exposure, but also their total net worth. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. And so you you have people who are in the stock market and they have a, a significant amount in there, and they don't want to just add more money to that same right. risk level. They want to diversify, get it into a different risk pool. And when alt- alternative investments are inappropriate, often is when someone like you said have low balances. You know, they have a hundred thousand dollars. That's their life savings, and they may need it for you know, retiring soon, right. there's, there's, in my mind, there, there's no good reason to be locking that into something that's going to be right. frozen for a number of years in alternative investments. Whereas if someone is is higher up on a, a wealth spectrum and can afford the risk, they say, okay, I, I have a, a, number, a big portion of my money invested in the stock market already. And I have this smaller portion that I would like to diversify into something different. Yeah. And, and our vernacular is, is basically what they refer to as non-correlated. They wanted something that is kind of the opposite. So if the stock market goes down, this particular asset does not go down. It doesn't follow the market yeah. down. Um, so we look at it. Does it does it move opposite of some of the other yeah. holdings? Does the natural it- one that most people think of is gold. They say, right. oh, if I already have a bunch of the stock market, shouldn't I also have some gold to counterbalance that? Yeah. When I, when yeah. I was in law school, I worked actually overseas in London for a, um, a large trading company and they managed sovereign wealth. And so we had a number of Middle East countries that said, we already have exposure to oil. You know, whatever you put in this portfolio of bonds should have zero exposure to oil. Like give us anything but oil because they're already so subject to increases and decreases in the oil market. And it was a good example of they wanted an alternative investment, something that wasn't naturally going to tie them to oil. They want something that was completely apart from that. And, and so as we think about alternatives for the, the clients that we work with and for other people who may be listening, you, the idea is that first you have normal investments, regular investments that are doing hopefully doing well for you. And then say, what else do I want to add to my portfolio that has a different risk profile? And is it an appropriate thing for me to hold based on the timing of when I need the money and my, my ability to have right. illiquid investments? So we kind of have a list of, of kind of the normal ones that we walk through. Yeah, I mean, real estate obviously is the top of the list. Real estate is probably the most normal, what I consider alternative investment. So again, people that have a real estate orientation probably already have a rental or more than one because that's just their orientation. So going into the stock market actually is a it it is that non-correlated. You're getting yeah. away from something that is non-liquid. That might be something new for them. Yeah. Right. And the easiest for most folks is direct ownership here, like say, right. in the United States, that they would buy a rental and rent it either themselves right. or through a manager. The next level of that is to invest in a company that that does that for you. Like a partnership interest. Yeah. And and some of these are traded on stock markets, some of right. them are not. Um, some of them are a group of 10 or 15 people getting together. And, and kind of pooling their resources to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to buy up some properties, some apartment complexes and manage them. That's a very different risk profile than, it is. than what you have in the regular market. So real estate is a big one. And real estate comes in often two forms. There's the residential and there's also the commercial, which are also very different structures. Uh, most of the buildings out in LA or San Francisco are not owned by people any longer. They're often owned by these large, large corporations. That it are could set be up. pension funds. It could be yeah. large investors. There could be uh, any partnerships, like it, it's, but typically individuals, there's more money that's involved than an individual would put in there. Yep. So they're, they're spreading their risk or they're spreading the management into a company, right? Yep. So that's kind of the, the real estate piece. Um, and the biggest one that, that we, when we look at this is any of these private type placements or, or, or deals that involve real estate, the risk is so unique to that mm-hmm. situation. It's really hard to say, oh, well, real estate has this level of risk or this quantifiable number of risk. 
Um, especially if someone's doing a local development. Oh, I, I got a buddy of mine. We're going to flip a property. Right. Well, that, that's a very specific risk to right. that to that unit. Um, the next one we can talk about a little bit is commodities. And I think that's what the other Boy, people jump to in their mind. Yeah, commodities. And of course, when you say commodities, the first thing is like gold and silver, precious metals. Yeah. Well, the commodities, that is a broad, there's a lot of things from pork bellies to soybeans mm-hmm. to, you know. Right. Uh, Basically, they, raw goods. When yeah. say commodities, they think raw goods that are going to go in to make something else. Right. Um, and and gold is one that, that it's, and I'm not sure exactly the, the United States are, are preoccupation with gold. It could be because we used to be on a gold standard. Well, I think it's historically people just look at gold as something to hold on to. Yep. And um, anyway, we've gone we've gone down that. Yeah, there's value so many times. Yeah, but. there's there's value there. And we're not anti gold. We just think it, it, it often that it, it feels a very it, it fills a very small need in some right. portfolio uh, compared to what what others do. But there's a number of commodities, and you know, lithium, you know, is, is is in high demand at the moment. Right. And whether or not investing in that is is prudent or not, you know, <clears throat> if someone were to you know go into a partnership to buy part of a lithium mine, you know, talk about mm-hmm. a, you know, a high risk, uh, non-liquid investment. You know, that would be it. That would be, that would be one of those. <laughs> right? I'm buying, buying a lithium mine in, you know, some foreign country. Um, that might be, in, if somebody had excess resources and it was okay if that number went to zero, that's probably a reasonable risk right. to take. If this is someone's retirement account, they're going to rely on that. It's probably not a risk they can be willing to Again, take. we talk about the wealth aspect, you know, when does a client, when should they consider alternative investments? And, and I, I, I really do believe it is money that they can afford to lose mm. because liquidity is a big factor. And oftentimes, you know, you've got a management risk, but you also have a market risk. You have, you know, innovation risk. There's so many factors that come into play. Now, they could hit the ball over the fence. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, it, it could have phenomenal returns, but the risk and reward can be can be completely different. Yep. And um Again, you got to be really careful about the dollar amount you do it. And again, I think your personal wealth has to reach a certain level that this is just the excess money that does not going to change your lifestyle, whether you lose it or make it. Yeah. Right. No, that's right. It, it, it's it, yeah, that home home run money, maybe. You know, yeah. That you can afford to, that's to, a good way to, put, to that. put it risk. Um, there, there's a whole category here that, that we talk about. You mentioned something that's called structured notes. So, so debt, private equity, um, private placements of debt. And this would be often groups that are binding together to either buy another business or make a loan to someone. Right. Man, these, these hold some high, high risks that are not your normal quantifiable risk. And I have to say in my in my 40 plus years in this business, I have to make a comment regarding uh, scams because they normally come in the form of some kind of structured note or corporate debenture that guarantees a rate of return to the investor with high degree of liquidity and guarantees of collateral underneath it. And someone probably just heard that and thought, ooh, do they have one? Do we have one? <laughs> exactly. And, no, we don't. Yeah. And there is is probably the number one language you hear about mm. when you hear about scams. And it comes in the form of some kind of corporate dementia or structured note. It is it's been misused and it's been a in my mind it's a criminal element mm. to it so uh, if you get that if you're listening to us and if that is something that you've been approached with your red lights ought to be going off and yes sirens ought to be going off mm. in your head because that typically is something that's going to be it's going to end badly for everybody yeah. and, and part of this alternative investments is they're not the normal right you're right. stepping into a space where the rules are a little different sometimes of who can invest here and the oversight that is provided by government agencies. And so it's, I mean, it's not quite the wild, wild west, but it's a little bit that you're on your own. And yeah, to your comment, to have your own due diligence, have advisors or teams with you that can help you do your own due diligence. 
people have made massive amounts of money in some of these fields. However, there's also a, a much greater number of people who've lost massive amounts of money. Yeah, and it's really sad for us to hear when somebody has a retirement account and they're not sophisticated people, and this is all the money they have. And what you find out, what you end up finding out is they've put everything they had into this thing that's gone south. Yeah. It is it is absolutely heartbreaking to be able to sit with somebody and listen to their story. And, and you're hearing all this and you're thinking, there's no way out of this now. Yeah. There's no yeah. way out. And then whenever they got into it initially, you know, almost this, in my mind at least, they almost had no business being there. Right, for the, sure. This space was not a space that, that would have been the most prudent for them to be in. But for sure. We'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about alternative investments and how they might make sense. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. We've been talking about alternative investments. And one of the items I, I want to touch on as we kind of continue this conversation is the idea of speculation. Um, often in the stock markets, there's speculation, you know, the, the meme stocks that kind of you know took off right. in the midst of COVID. But these alternative investments are are more, um, I think, subject to speculation and and jumping in to say, hey, this is going to be great. This is going to you know go through the roof. And that's kind of the, the pitch that people will get. Hey, it's a guaranteed thing. You're going to make all this money. So one of the articles we read had a, a, a nice little um, environment it created to say when when these speculative uh, moments arise. And part of it was liquidity. When there's a lot of liquidity in the market, there's a lot of extra money, which we saw, of course, during- I mean, the COVID. government created a lot of liquidity. Yeah, right. And, and right? To interest keep people, rates went to zero almost. And I mean, it's just, it creates a lot of liquidity. Right. So there's extra money around, leverage is available. So so borrowing and low interest rates, you know, the Fed- Bank, Banks lower their standards. Yep. And, and people pushing out money. Uh, there's some democratization. So you know, some of the rules are being loosened up a bit. I think back to uh, mortgage-backed securities. Right. You know, there was the banks were low. There was a lot of debt available. The rules were pretty open. You know, some changes. There's high volume. You know, that's the next piece. And the last one, there's some some new issues. And so I, when I think of, you know, kind of- special, these- I call it special knowledge. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, whenever I hear that somebody has this special knowledge, uh, man, I just run. Mm-hmm. I, I get because- you know, the Bible says there is there is nothing new under the sun. And it really comes to mind when somebody says, oh, by the way, they kind of whisper in your ear. Don't tell anybody about this, but this is what yeah. this is what could really benefit you if. Yeah. And it's like, are you kidding me? Right. When I think of uh, maybe the, the the real estate bubble, you know, of, of kind of the 2008 era of the things that were going on. Uh, you know, there was a lot of liquidity. There's a lot of leverage. Uh, there were some new items. These mortgage-backed right. securities, you know, they'd existed previously, but they were becoming popular and known to people that they could, you know, invest in them, they could buy them. And, you know, candidly, there's probably a lot of people who made good money until they didn't. 
right? And, and until we we kind of have this this collapse. Well, it's a music a musical chairs scenario because you can get in and make some money, but you better get out. And most people don't because pyramid schemes typically they they damage many many people much more than the original the people that started it. And that's typically what happens with these kinds of things. And not every investment that's speculative is considered a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. But a lot of the liquidity factors and the debt, the risk levels climbs dramatically. Very similar, yeah. And then you look back to say crypto more recently. Um, you know, during uh, in the midst and just after COVID came came through, there's a lot of extra money in the markets. There's a lot of debt available. Um, the, the rules had not been written in essence right. for crypto of who's over the oversight that's that's common with other stocks. There's new items, and and so you, we saw, uh, you know, when Dogecoin became very popular, but it was created as a joke, you know, to say, hey, this is so funny, and then it it took off, and uh, there's a number of people who have made a huge amount of money in crypto, and those are the storylines that that drive this, right? It's speculative. Right. We're gonna we're gonna make all this money, but there's a lot of people re- now who have who have since lost a lot of money as well. You know, it's gone up and it's come down, come down. So it, when you get in a speculative moment. It doesn't necessarily mean that the underlying aspects are, are good, bad, or ugly. You know, it's kind of indifferent to that. But simply saying, there's so much speculation here that the prices just get out of hand, and the market there's no um, sense to it. And that, that's happened, you know, numerous times over over time. And so whenever we're seeing something that feels like it's speculation, you know, it, it's the moment to take a deep breath and say, yeah. okay, like let's take a step back. Do we, yeah, do we- your life is not in this moment, and if you know, again, that's where you look at from investing versus gambling. And people often compare investing to gambling. I'm saying, no, you can make it gambling, but it is not gambling. Mm. Investing, there's a lot of work. There's intrinsic values that you're looking for. And you're going through a lot of the different risk factors. But that's part of investing and understanding what those risk factors are. And gambling, you don't know. You're just you're just putting your putting your life against the odds. Yeah. Hoping for the best. Right. And and for some people, that's what they feel like investing is hoping for the best. And that's often when um, I feel like you're you're not doing it right. Right. right? It shouldn't be just a hoping for the best. It should have a a reasonable, methodical um, view of the future, where you're headed. And so we, we talk about speculation just because in alternative investments, often there's there's this aspect of a get rich quick or a hey we're going to make it or right. um why aren't you expose this and I, and I wonder you know years back um you know when when someone saw somebody else hey they're they're my rich friend they're doing this i need to do this too if that's what drove some of this yeah fear you know, of missing out yeah maybe um you know alternatives such as you know buying a rental property that's a very close alternative investment that that's that's near at hand and fairly reasonable for a lot of folks if if you're barely making rent, you shouldn't be buying a rental property. Right. But if you have you know done well for your own finances, you have savings, you have a buffer, you have some investments, then to pick up rentals is a great option. And if it's an appropriate time to buy that rental, right? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Talking about talking about speculation, right? right? Real estate speculation on rentals is is a huge item. But there's as we kind of go down the scale of some of these alternative investments we've we've talked about, you know, some of them get further and further and further away. And some of them, like we talk about, you know, private equity or private placements, those are pretty far away from most people, and for good reason that they um, they hold a lot of risk. And the yeah. risk is that your investment doesn't just you know not make as much as you thought, like it would in the stock market. It just goes to zero. You know? Yeah, they have this thing, this terminology called accredited investor, and accredited investor meets a certain amount of requirements based upon their assets and their income and such as that. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what. You could have an older person who has no sophistication or somebody who's received an inheritance that would meet the standards for accredited investor. And you compare that to somebody who has been in this business for the last 20, 30 years. 
there's a completely different understanding of yeah. their cap- capacity and capability of understanding that investment. Even though they meet the numbers, yeah. the one person would be like leading the, you know, basically the lamb to slaughter. Mm. The other one is they're very savvy. They're very well aware of their risks and, and they're making good choices and good decisions. So again, these yeah. standards, you have to be very careful about how they're utilized and what the benefit would be to you individually. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the safeguard that the, the SEC puts on here for the accredited investor is roughly a million dollars of assets, not including your home, or you're making two to $300,000 consistently. And so they say, if you're in that camp, if you have those kind of assets or you're making that kind of income, we think you're you're probably sophisticated enough to take care of yourself. And that may or may not be true, but it's simply, you know, if you're not in those camps and you're not an accredited investor, then, then some of these alternatives, you know, per the SEC and per probably some good wisdom are, are probably not for you. you know, yeah, for sure. Where you want for to sure. And the other one we want to bring up before we run out of time in this section is, is annuities. And annuities, um, often people don't think of those as alternatives. You know, they think of these more exotic things. But annuities is an alternative form of an investment. It is. It is. And annuities, of course, come in many forms. You can buy an annuity. Social Security is an annuity. I mean, if you think about it, Social Security is you pay into this system for your working life and then you get this money out. And they, at the end of the day, uh, there's not a balance that's owed to you. So it's an immediate annuity that ends when you pass away. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, insurance companies have those kinds of instruments and you can put money into them and get an income for the rest of your life. We help clients oftentimes uh, pick which one's the best payout for them. Uh, but there's also just tax deferred. I mean, just straight, uh, they look a lot like a certificate of deposit, except the interest that the insurance company pays is not subject to income tax until you start taking money out at some later date. Um, now, Variable annuities and these registered index annuities are probably the the most misunderstood mm. as far as annuity structures. And variables look a lot like mutual funds. I mean, uh, you have sub accounts, and you're taking either zero risk or a great deal of risk is how you structure it within the within the uh, sub account. You know the investment options, the allocations that you can make. The registered they have they have all these different kinds, different types. That will buffer your loss uh, that you can't make above a certain amount, but you won't lose below a certain amount. But they all come in different shapes and sizes. And uh, a lot of them are just misunderstood, frankly. I see a lot of them is is kind of a custom fit to what you need. Right. So we looked at someone's portfolio and they needed, um, they had plenty of funds, but they just needed more risk. Well, maybe real estate investments might be a good spot. If someone on the other side has reasonable funds, but doesn't want to withstand the volatility, there's some great annuities that could probably right. fill that that use for them. And more recently, there's some annuities because interest rates are higher. Insurance companies, a lot of the returns that they give off to their policyholders is based upon what the market rates are. And so rates have gone up. So there's a lot better product. The other thing, too, that I want to emphasize is that most annuities in the past were sold because they were just they were attached with high commission. Mm. And so the motivation of the agent to sell it was to get the commission. But now, because of our standard, our fiduciary standard, and as a registered investment advisory firm, there's a lot of there's a lot of product out. There's a lot of annuities. It has no commission attached to it at all. It is it is a fee only or fee for service. And those are the products that I'm really excited about because not only insurance. Companies are offering these kinds of products, but it also is crossing over into other areas like other savings. But it it creates a non-conflict of interest uh, right. for us because right. we can look at those companies and provide good good selection. Yeah. Well, if you missed any part of this episode, you can go to our website, which is retirementunlimited.com, or you can look for us on YouTube. Until next week, folks. 
May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.